Hey everybody, this is Kendra. And this is April. And you are listening to Nocturnal Distractions. And it's my episode today. <laughs> it's my episode today. I feel like this should be like a, I don't even know. It's going to be a multi-parter. Just saying that now. So if you don't like multi-part cases, then you should probably just skip my next three or four episodes don't skip her next three or four episodes well, because i gotta listen to all of it in order for it to make sense so I'm, I'm just saying because this is this is gonna be kind of a doozy but before i get into any of that um got a shout out here to caesar for donation on our buy me a coffee thank site you. account thing thank you so much much appreciated that is awesome fantastic the link will be in the description to that so if anybody wants to make a donation to us, that's a great way to do it because it's just a one-time thing. You don't have to worry about signing up for like a monthly, like reoccurring, whatever, charge. Not, yeah. You know how you get suckered into some shit and then you regret it later and you're all super pissed. And you forget about that like $2 like subscription and all of a sudden, you, I mean, not that we would, I'm, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. But anyway, it's a great way. That way we can fund going to the, the Liska Axe Murder House. Which I'm getting more excited about every yes. day, honestly. And hopefully once, I mean, saving up for that and then being able to get better equipment, get better things. Um, we're getting closer to getting our Patreon page set up. I've got most of the website or the page set up. We're, wait, we're waiting on some some things. We ordered stickers. So those should be in sometime this month. And as soon as they come in, I will obviously post a picture of them. And hopefully the design comes out the way that I'm hoping that it does. Um, also. So big things. we got some big things got going big on. Things. And we are also being listened to in five countries now. The Philippines have now joined in. That is crazy. Now. I have aunties from the Philippines. Yeah. So we've got, yeah, we've got those things. We've got those things going right now for us. And stuff. And stuff and things and things and stuff. And what is it? 17 states? That is insane. 16, 16, states. 16 states. I don't know. I just I just wanted to get out of the house and hang out with my friend. And this is kind of cool. Yeah, I don't okay. know. Watching Apparently it unfold. We, we have, we flow together well. Our conversations. And that's we're because, flowy. like. We're flowy. That's, no. <laughs> I'm just going to let that You're flowy be. right now. <laughs> I'm about to be. Seriously, people, I'm in a lethargically uh, kind of mood, so. I might be a but smart ass. Look, we're unscripted. I mean, you guys know that. Like, literally unscripted. I don't edit any of our commentary audio out because that's just not who we are. And we'd like you to feel like you're sitting right here in my living room with us having a conversation about murder. Things and stuff. <laughs> and stuff and things. No, you wouldn't want to be in my living room. Well, you might want to. I have a comfy couch. It is a pretty comfy couch. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> it's a very, very comfortable. It's like that show, The Big Comfy Couch. There's a show called The Big Comfy Couch. Uh, it was on when I was younger. Oh, okay. It's not really on anymore, but it was like, a, I don't, it was a weird show. It was really kind of like probably drug induced by whoever made it back in the <laughs> 90s. So, Big Comfy Couch. It's called Big Comfy Couch. She had a big comfy couch and she like pulled random stuff out of the cushions. Kind of oh. like I do on this couch if I didn't have a cover <laughs> on it. Like it just like eats stuff. 
you know, like randomly find it later on. It's like, oh, right? that's where that went. I keep on thinking I'm going to find my wallet in here randomly. No, but see, because it has a cover on it. So, like, I know. It's stuck in the cushions anymore. This couch was from like the 70s. It's from my parents' house, so. I'm never going to see my wallet again. No, you should probably just give up on that. I know it's been like a year. Yeah. Long run. I can't just let it go. Unless you've lost it somewhere here, in which case it might still be here. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I feel like it's because when I was with my kids the weekend that we stayed here, I feel yeah, like. You thought you left it in your mom's I thought I left it a lot of places and it's yet to be found. No, just here. Which means that, that it might be here because it eats yeah. stuff. My place eats things. It does eat things. Mm-hmm. Fucking son of a... Find stuff years later. Anyway. <laughs> um, what I will be talking about, I'm going to give a trigger warning right now. Because not in this episode necessarily, but in future parts of this whole case, there will be talk of child death and murder. Obviously murder, but it has to do with children and babies. So if that is a trigger for you guys, like I said, you really will probably want to skip my next. There's nothing episodes. sexual, nothing sexual, no, just child still, death. Yeah. So if that's not your thing, then April will have episodes in there that that does not have to do with that. Yes, we will. So, yeah, I just wanted to, like, give that a little bit of a thing. There. Pre-warning right there. Yes. Well, thank you, Kendra. Yes. So we are going to be talking about Mary Beth Tinning. Tinning? Tinning. Okay. Who um, killed nine children. Nine. 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 Mm. There were her own children, too, mind you. She killed nine children, um, one of which was adopted by her and her husband. So was it like a mass all at once no. type thing? Nope. Oh, no. So over a period of time, yeah. she consciously murdered nine of her children. Yep. She only confessed to, like, three of them, I think. But, yes. Wow. Pretty much. Um, the, the oldest that any of them lived to was four and a half years. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, I think the youngest was 11 days old. And the one they adopted was two and a half. Oh, my God. Yeah, so nine altogether. Look at my arms. It's got a little goosebumps, just the thought of that. And I know we've been no. talking about it, but. I know. And this happened between, it was like a period of like 13 years. Like to over a period of 13 years. She had nine children. Oh, wow. So she's truly fucking psychotic. Or I'm Yeah. I mean, obviously very fertile too, unfortunately. Of course, the fertile ones are always are the psychotic it's ones. It's like, how, how? Like she was pregnant into like her 40s. Like Ooh. she was so fertile. Like, I mean, like. She would have been. And like, I know. Her husband's brother kept telling him, like, you need to get, like, a vasectomy. Right. Clearly, it's not and, in the And, like, cards. I think her husband was kind of a pushover. Oh, so I she wore the pants in the family. A little bit, but it was just, it's a weird relationship. But, I mean, we'll get into kind of more of that. Okay. And probably a different one. This episode, we're mainly going to be covering, or I'm going to be covering just her childhood and her background up until the point where she starts having children so we're going back in time yeah there you go yes so i always feel like it's important to if if you have the information about somebody's background when they are a serial killer of any sort to put it in there just because i think it's important to get the whole picture sets the foundation kind of because sometimes it's like uh they had nothing bad happen to them what the hell and other times like maybe that you know but anyway so right now, it's just going to be covering her, her background. background. So this is probably going to be the shortest episode in this 
series, I'm going to call it, the shortest parts. That's just nice. because there's, there's not like a whole ton. Because the, the biggest thing about her that you will find is that everyone basically says she's average. Oh. Like just, not, not that average is bad, but no. like if she just, she, she was not exceptional or terrible. Mm. Nobody ter- noticed she her. Little, she was a little terrible at being a mom, obviously. Clearly. But otherwise, like, she never really excelled at anything. She was just, like, right on that. So like, nobody ever missed her when she left the room, and nobody was excited yes, when she entered exactly. the room. exactly. Okay. That type of a thing. Feeling she a little, was, like... She was just Mundane. There. Okay. Like, her looks, her personality. Like, I mean, that's average. Average. But that's kind of just... That's who she was. Right? And it's okay to be average. A, yeah, and I'm not saying that's bad, but, like, that's what it, she's always been described as. Um, and I'll side note here, I actually have the, the book, the true crime she does. book written about her, and it's called um, From Cradle to Grave by Joyce Egg- I'll look this up. Eggin- Eggin- Eggington. It's E-G-G-I-N-T-O-N. Eggington. Eggington. I'm sure that oh, that's not pronounced right. But no, anyway, I think you are right. This is the very first true crime book that I've ever read. There's an index, isn't there? Yes, there is an index, which is super helpful because this book does not go in any chronological order whatsoever. So in order to find things, it has this great index in the back of it. But anyway, this is the very first true crime book I'd ever read. This what kick-started her off on this all of this. Yeah, and I read a lot of Stephen King and stuff before that. And then I started reading the actual, like, true crime ones. It's based and it's completely factual. The, like, author even says that at the very beginning. That it's entirely factual, no fake names have been used, yada, yada, yada. So that's why I'm bringing all my information that I will be covering in this case comes from the book. The book. And it's like a 400, almost 400 page book. So I'm obviously not going to be reading the whole book to you. Thank hopefully. you. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully that's not how it turns hopefully out Hopefully I'll be able to like weed it down because I found... That as I started actually researching into it, uh-huh. that that is a lot harder than just reading the book. Because <laughs> me, it makes sense in my head the way the book's laid out. But like when I speak it out loud, like that's going to get damn confusing. It's going to be all over the place. And there's no way to like break it up <laughs> that way. So now that we've got that whole established thing out of this the is way, going. you guys, I mean, like, if you want to know more about this case and I'm even going to tell you, like, definitely check out the book because it's, there's a lot of information that is in here from this author. She did a fantastic job of it. Um, so let's see. Mary Beth Dean. Um, her maiden name was Roe. So Mary Beth Roe was born September 11th. Of 1942 mm. in Duinsburg. I even put the pronunciation in there. I still think I did that wrong. Duinsburg. Yeah, there, New York. The population of Duinsburg. I know I'm saying that wrong. Duinsburg. Duinsburg? Duinsburg. Anyway, mm-hmm. that place <laughs> in New York. The population there of two, in 2010 was 391. So I don't know what it was back in 1942, but I can't imagine it was more than that. So it's a very small area. It's about three and a half hours from New York City. So if that gives anybody a rough idea of where it is at in the state of New York. I'd like to give like major landmarks in reference to 
that. I don't know anything about those states. I don't either. All I, that's so why. I'm staring at Kendra like, okay, that's cool. This is just for <laughs> anybody who does know anything about those states. Like, I'm, yeah. That's, that's that. where it's at. Um, and it's also, this little town is also about 14 miles west of Schenectady, <laughs> which is where the majority of this story actually takes place and where Mary Beth lives the majority of her time as an adult. Okay. So that's going to be a fun one for me to say this whole time, too. Schenectady. <laughs> we'll just call it the S plate. It doesn't start with an S or a C. S. S. I know. I know that New York has a lot of. Everybody thinks New York is this big city, blah 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 blah. But there's a but lot there's, of there's outskirts, small. There's, there, I mean, there's actual cities within New York. It's not just New yeah. York city. And there's a lot of smaller, like little yeah places. So yeah. it's not this hustle bustle. It's actually quite no, pretty. Like in this place um, that she grew up is is like that. It's very. It's a. It, it's the New York's Mohawk Valley area. Mohawk Valley, which is supposed to be like really green and foresty. It's like. And nature-ish life, but we'll get into there. Okay. So, her early years in Dewinsburg were spent in a little house, they said, halfway up a long winding hill on the outskirts of this village. So, Dewinsburg is actually considered a village. Oh, okay. Remember how we had the whole conversation? Yeah, with Grand Island and... Um, I still don't remember what we decided. I fucking Because there's like a hamlet, and there's a village, and there's a township, and... There's a whole and a city, thing. And then there... Yeah. It's ridiculous because Grand Island and Alda are like, why can't it just be hyphen or all just one? And that's and Alda, what we- Alda's like a. It was a township. I I feel like a it village. was the village. I think it was a. Yeah. So it's anyway, ridiculous. We people. actually we went down a rabbit hole like three years ago trying yeah. to figure out like what the difference between all these things are. But and, and I know it has something to do with whether or not one has like whether or not it has a post office and a oh. general store and like. Whatever. Yeah, and then you have unincorporated too, which oh, are really. Uh, I know, right? It's a fucking trip. Okay, so that up. in this so village. <laughs> On the outskirts of this village. <laughs> However, rather than like the joy of growing up in this, you know, Mohawk Valley area, which is really green and has forests and everything else like that, she felt isolation and that she wasn't being treated fairly and not given the attention that she thought she should have been given. And so that like kind of was what was cemented in her memory of her childhood. So like a set of joy that like other children felt growing up there, she just felt isolated. So was she the only child? No. Middle child? Oldest. Ah, oh, fuck. Because um, years later, her classmates would recall summer days that they spent, like, in the woods and making tree houses and swimming in the creek. And she, on the other hand, recounted that she stayed indoors, friendless. And her only relief was a trip to the grocery store with her parents or, on rare occasions, to a cinema in Schenectady. So she was, like, an outcast. Like, people just, she was a loner. Kind of, but I think that she almost did it to herself in some ways. Oh, like that's just the kind me. of well, that's just kind of the the way that she was. Okay, but she was just a little off okay. even as a child. So I mean, it seems that Mary Beth's life had been full of troublesome issues. However, like some may have been true and some may have been overly exaggerated which is something that we will see throughout this entire case like mm. she tended to stretch either lie or like over exaggerate what happened to make it people bigger like her or make it seem more interesting than she you know that type of a thing so sometimes some of the stuff she might have said about her childhood it's iffy on whether or not it was true, it was true. Or not. so but she is she's the oldest of two children 
Um, and her brother, Alton Jr., was born when she was five. And after he was born, she seemed to feel she had been mistreated while Alton was favored. Mm. And that's how she felt. Um, until then, she had been an only child. But even during the time before her brother, she felt slighted, basically. Um, during that time period, that five years, her father was out of the country serving in World War II. Oh. And since her father was gone, her mother had to work you know, jobs to make ends meet. And so Mary Beth was shuttled and pushed off, quote unquote, pushed off or discarded, quote unquote, with various babysitters. And that's how she kind of felt about things. She felt like she was just being cast off on other people when really it was just her mom had to work. Right. But she automatically felt like she was being neglected. Right. And that's shitty to like feel that way. That's no, when you're a young age and you don't understand that your father's not around, but mm -hmm. when you see it other people probably with both mom and dad mm -hmm. and the way that I'm sure her mom probably didn't have the energy to like give her that affection that mm -hmm. she's seen other people. And that would suck feeling that way. It doesn't mean you could have been fucking crazy bitch. Yeah. Obviously that you were, yeah. but like, I can see how you would feel a little bit like that. Yeah. 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 Which I do understand, but, and one of her sitters and aunts, and this was whether, like I said, whether or not this was true, who knows? This aunt apparently had told her that she was an unplanned baby and that her parents had hoped to wait a little longer before having their first child. Unfortunately, obviously, this was something that she never forgets. And from the time that her brother was old enough to understand, she hurled this accusation that you were the one they wanted, not me. Oh. So, I mean, she internalized that. Obviously, that's going to make you feel crappy. But then she also used it to make her brother feel crappy. Oh, fuck. You know, so it was one of those things where it's like, I don't know what this aunt was thinking, like, telling her that at a young age. Like, no, that's right. dumb. Like, you don't do that. I ever. wonder if, like, because we mix things up. I wonder if she heard her aunt saying that to somebody. And that you could know have what been, I mean? but either way, like, that if would you suck. hear it, that would suck. And I mean, and hearing it when you're a young child like that is different than if you heard it when you're like 25. Yeah. But like my sister, she was unplanned, but that wasn't, it wasn't like a bad thing, uh -uh. but it was still one of those things. Was like true. she wasn't necessarily, she wasn't told that when she was younger, you know, Right. It was, that was just, you don't tell a little kid that like my daughter, my daughter knows that she wasn't planned, but it's not like I told her that from when she was five years old, like, oh, you're unplanned. I didn't want that. Mm -mm. No, you don't say that. And especially coming from an aunt and not even like her own parents type of thing. The parents might not have even felt that way. Who knows? So she had that in her head, too. Um, and later, as an adult, she would also recall to a friend, so an adult friend when she's an adult, that her parents sometimes locked her in her bedroom. And once they had gone out and left her there for an entire day. So, again, it's one of those things. Um, her childhood had centered on grade school, high school, and church, basically. So she had school and church. That's kind of what, that's what she had. That's all she, I mean, that was it. She didn't go, venture outside of that. Not really. Um, she had very few friends and made very little impact, except to be remembered as, um, a withdrawn and rather pesky child. Pesky. What does pesky mean? Annoying. Okay. Um, I, that's what I figured. Yeah, irritable or irritating. Um, the Rose did not involve themselves in community activities and were barely known. 
in the village. And so, so like it's a really small village and most of the families like I mean they all knew each other, right? And they like literally they just they were kind of like on themselves. the outskirts. They were kind of like not outsiders but outsiders. Like it's one of those places where unless you're there for like three generations, you're considered an outsider. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think they had been there, but they just, they didn't involve themselves in anything. In the community. So their, her parents were kind of withdrawn and loners, you could say, or it did they have be. marital problems no, and I issues? I don't think that they did. They're just quiet people. They're just quiet people and they lived on the outskirts of town. I mean, so it's just one of those things. Um, I lost my place late. Okay, so later on in life, she did, like, seek out counsel from a reverend of a church. And he recalls that even with the little bit that she told of her childhood, it was evident that she had not felt happy or secure. You know, even from a young age, like, she never really felt happy. She didn't feel secure in her household, that type of a thing. And then later on, when under investigation, after she had confessed to killing three of her children, she was asked if she had been punished harshly when she was growing up. Now, this was asked because um, usually or it's, it's kind of a widely accepted or, or kind of a known thing that um, abusing parents, so parents that abused their kids, were often abused as children themselves. Yeah. And they're often strangely protective of their Parents who abuse them and been conditioned to believe that their own behavior, rather than parental cruelty, brought on the punishments. Mm-hmm. This thinking then makes it possible, even excusable in their minds, for them to abuse their own children later on. This is exactly how come I was cautious and wanting kids, and how come I'm terrified of my children? Because it's statistically, and I don't like to put myself in statistics, mm-hmm. but I get that, like, I don't ever want to do to my kids what was done to me. And so that terrified me of them. Mm-hmm. So, fuck. So, and it's one of those things that, I mean, I don't, I think that if you recognize that, it's different. But when, when you're abused as a child and conditioned to think that that's normal and not recognize it as necessarily being all bad and thinking it was your own behavior, you're then denial. you're going to be treating probably your children the same way. Yeah. Um, and then because of like her responses to that question of whether or not she was punished harshly um, and later on in pretrials that it convinced them that she fit that classic pattern of that cycle. During the pretrial hearing for the death of her ninth child and final child, Tammy Lynn, um, William W. Barnes, the senior investigator for New York State Police, descri- described a conversation with her after she had admitted to murder. I asked her why she did it and what had happened, he said. His reply may have been the most significant statement that was ever made about her. Of the various police who eventually questioned her, Barnes was the only one to ask about her childhood. And this was because he already knew about her childhood, or a little bit of something. And she let her defenses down enough to admit to her father's strictness because she knew that he, Barnes, already knew. And this was because as a young teenager, more than 30 years before this whole interrogation, Barnes had been the monitor on the school bus which came down north of Dewingsburg, pausing halfway down the Crooked Hill outside of her house to pick her up for school. So he knew her from when she was a little little girl and so he's the only one that asked about childhood and because she already knew that he knew her 
He opened up a little bit. So bus driver to investigator. Well, I mean, no, he was he was a school bus monitor, oh. and that was actually a job that was given toward for like older kids on the bus. Oh, so he was also a kid. Yeah, so he was like a teenager, I think. Okay. So oh, wow. that was one of those. It was yeah, it was kind of a weird thing. Like as they got older, they became like the bus monitor for the younger kids. I gotcha. And then, yeah. So what did he witness? Well, he he said um. When he had a memory, basically, that stuck with him of her father, Mary Beth's father, watching from the porch, stern and unsmiling as his daughter walked across the front yard to the bus stop. He said other parents usually led their small children by the hand and gave them hugs of farewell at the bus stop. But Mary Beth's father never did that. He just stood on the porch. Oh, wow. And like kind of glared. Um, So she told Barnes that when she was a child, her father had abused her. And again said that he locked her in a closet, that he hit her with a fly swatter, that she did not feel she was important or any good, and that she never really felt like she was much of anything in her life. Now, mind you, this was the only recurring story in which she was the victim. So they think that this part of what she's saying is true. So the being hit with a fly swatter and locked in her room, because this is one of the only stories that she told very... She told it often, and it never changed. Mm. So she, it never got more exaggerated. It never, you know, it was always the same. So they're thinking, like, okay, this is probably true because it's never changed throughout everything. And so whatever had happened, it, it had an impact on her. Yeah. And, you know, like, the sad thing is, is what I'm learning now, I'm not saying that that shit didn't happen and kids getting abused and remembering it because mm-hmm. I know what I went through. But when we're younger... Like, things seem so much better. I remember mm-hmm. what, 40, when I was five years old, 40 looked like 80. Mm-hmm. And I'm coming up on 40. And I do not feel like my <laughs> aunties looked, you know? And I remember stories of me stubbing my toe. And everybody's pain hits differently. Yeah. And everybody's trauma is differently. And maybe she got grounded. And he put her in her room mm-hmm. where she couldn't get out. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Getting yeah, swatted and it's just by one something. of those things where, but they think that, that because she did remember and because she did say it, that it, it might have been, it might have been intense, worse or yeah. more intense than we imagine. It might not have been. But the thing that really kind of, I think, cements it is she was kind of justified in thinking that her younger brother was the preferred child because Alton, her brother, he never got locked in his room. And Alton actually remembers his father saying, I don't have to hit, or no, he told, sorry, he told this to Mary Beth. I don't have to hit your brother. He can learn from your mistakes. So there are multiple examples of this happening because the father was the dominant parent, the one that Mary Beth feared yet wanted to emulate and impress and be loved by that type of thing. Alton later recalled his father punishing Mary Beth for her crying spells, which were like tantrums, basically, chasing her with a fly swatter or a ruler, sending her up to her room and telling her to stay there till she could act right. Then telling her crime and her punishment to Alton, the younger brother, so that he, again, could learn from Mary Beth's mistakes. So instead of ever punishing Alton, he made him learn from his sister's mistakes. So it's like his sister would do something wrong and he would tell his son, you can just learn from her mistakes instead of me punishing you. Right. Don't do this or I'm going to whoop your ass. Well, kind of, but like he never got punished. 
because he probably never did. I wonder. I don't think it, I don't. It's not because he never did anything. I wonder if she had like ADD. Because isn't that one of the symptoms? Like when you're a girl, when you're younger, you're more quiet with your drawn. Oh no! Because no, because she wasn't like that. She was. She, she was, was kind of, of, of like yeah. What was the word that you Pestering. said? Pestering. So I wonder if she was just starving for attention and was real I fucking that, annoying. I think that, I mean, that might have been part of it, but I do also think that she was she was punished more than her brother was for the same things. Okay. I mean, and that's kind of, I mean, that's that's what I've gathered from what I've read in this book. And that's basically her brother kind of, clear. I mean, he basically said the same thing. Like, she was punished more. So I think that she's kind of justified in thinking that, like, now how harsh the punishments were, yeah. that's up for, it's up for debate. Yeah. That was, that was one of those things. Um, however, and this, and this is the other part that makes them think that this actually did happen, because during this pretrial, she was given the opportunity to tell about this abuse and, like, you know, to use it as her defense, basically. And instead, she just suddenly became defensive about defending her father. And said, Investigator Barnes brought up the fact that my father, he thought my father was rough and maybe mean, although he was a nice man, she said. So this response actually told much more than she thought. And was really, really revealing because not only of the abuse itself, but of her readiness to excuse it. Um, because, as I mentioned before, abused children often defend the abuser. And even though on some level, I think Mary Beth seemed to have known that she was being mistreated because she says so. But she also was still conditioned into thinking it was her fault. This explains her responses and unwillingness to use the abuse in her defense. Instead, saying things like, <clears throat> he hit me with a fly swatter because he had arthritis and his hands were not of much use. And when he locked me in my room, I guess he thought I deserved it. Hmm. So, like, in one case, she says he was abusive, and then she turns around in court and defends him. Because that's what she was told to kind of do. So, like, that's the other thing that makes them think, okay, maybe she was abused as a child because she's not trying to use it as a defense thing. Like, there's a lot of kids, or not a lot of kids, a lot of, like, people as an adult, like, when they're convicted or, or tried for murder or whatever like they will try to turn around on their parents mm. and they will throw their parents under the bus to try to get a lesser penalty and instead she got up there and, and said no 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 that i deserved it right which is often you look at like a case like with casey anthony she got up on the stand and tried to say that her father had molested her when she was younger which was not true at all yeah and but she was trying to get do everything she could to, like, have people feel sorry for her. Right. And Mary Beth, like, refused to do it. Okay. So there's probably some sort of, like, mistreatment going on at home. Right. Um, however, with her father at this point being dead for 14 years, I think, and her own recollections being unreliable because she lied so much, exaggerated so much, and her mother declined to even talk about it. There was no way of knowing whether this was child abuse or just old-fashioned blue-collar discipline. Mm -hmm. Because back in those days, we all had strict parents, one of Mary Beth's childhood acquaintances observed. Mis Mr. and Mrs. Rowe seemed to be nice people, but then no one in the village knew much about them. So that's the other thing. I mean, you got to remember this was like 1942, 1950. Like, you know, that was... It just came different, home from it was, war. It was a different time, too. Like... 
was this actual abuse or was this just the way that people were disciplined? Kids were disciplined and she took it as more than that. I don't know. We don't know because she exaggerates. Things. And her dad had just come back from war, correct? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like I said, there's just, there was, there's some, like, iffy things about that, too. So she might have been abused, she might not have been abused. We don't really know. Um, statements from both men and women in their 40s who had gone to school with Mary Beth remember her as first a timid and shy little girl with, quote, odd ways about her, end quote, who came from a lonely little house on the outskirts of Dewingsburg, where there never seemed to be any laughter. She then turned into a tiresome child, clamoring for attention on the school bus, but never getting it. So she was trying to get attention from other kids, but it wasn't they working. She was just it. that loud, obnoxious kid. Yeah, and they just they wanted whatever. They were just like, nope. Um, another of Mary Beth's classmates shared the feeling that something went wrong in her childhood, like being a victim of some kind of abuse. I think she had a lot of anger. She never spoke about her father. I have a feeling that he was a bad part of her life. So, like, there were also people that knew her back when she was in grade school who were, like, you know, in the same grade or, or a classmate that they had, they picked up on this feeling of maybe there was abuse going on at home, too, because that's just, so that's another thing that kind of almost cements that feeling of maybe she was because there was just something a little bit off, wonky about her. Yeah. As she grew from child to teenager, things did not seem to change too much for Mary Beth. It was recalled that she went from the tiresome child into a friendless teenager who made so little impression in high school that despite her later notoriety, a.k.a. being a serial killer, some of her former teachers still had a hard time remembering her. I cannot recall anything good or bad about her, one of them said after she was arrested. Oh, wow. So, like average like again she just not was just under the kind of under the radar like she not made, memorable she didn't even make a blip type of a thing like i mean and you kind of it's one of those things where you can feel like i said i think i've said this before you can feel bad for the child and how they grew up in their childhood that does not mean that you have to feel bad for what she does later on in her mm-hmm. life. but like as far as her childhood looks like you can feel bad for her. Like, I, you know, it's one of those things where that's got to be hard. Mm-hmm. Um, high school was a difficult time for an adolescent girl who didn't fit in. One woman who had been her classmate talked about this sympathetically. Uh, back then, only the popular girls dated, and she was not one of those. The popular girls went around in cliques, and they could really hurt the others. There was the clique that would be trying out for cheerleader. There was the basketball clique. And there were the girls and the guys who were hot shots. To be a hot shot, you had to dress to a certain standard, black and white saddle shoes, you know, the poodle skirts, the very 50s style, or knee length. I don't even know what this is, but she said crinolines, Mm. some kind of skirt. Is it like the pleated ones almost? It might be. I don't know. Um, And you had to hang around smoking in corners. Smoking was the big thing then. Not even drinking, certainly not drugs. The hot girls wore their hair long and rolled up or in sausage curls when they dressed up for a date. And if you weren't in one of those cliques, you were nobody. So to be the way that Mary Beth kind of was, uh, what was it, unmemorable? Mm -hmm. Like, it would have been really hard in high school. Like, she probably wasn't bullied, but she wasn't really... Nobody just, she wasn't even, 
she was just wasn't there. even worth bullying type yeah. thing. You know what I mean? That's sad. Mm-hmm. I hate to say that you're not worth bullying. But, but, that's, that's, but that's kind of how it is. Like, she, yeah, yeah. Um, Mary Beth was very plain, and she dressed plain. This woman said she's more attractive now than she was in high school. She didn't have a pretty face. And it wasn't an ugly face, but it wasn't, you know, remarkable. Um, she had projecting teeth and a pouting expression. And most of the time she wore her hair short and straight as opposed to, you know, curls or anything. She was not part of a clique and was never likely to be. Not that she was a bad person in school. I don't remember her getting into trouble or being sent to the principal, but she was different. She had a lot of mood swings. There were times when you would see her smiling, times when she would walk through the halls expressionless. And you could never be quite sure whether she was telling the truth. You want to know what, when I hear this, she seems like an an average, like, you want to say that word average, normal. She's a human fucking being. Yeah. Is what it was, you know. Everybody else, we're going to go on a soapbox here, right? You either have to be this or you have to be that. And everybody's running around pretending. She didn't pretend. She just was who she was, and that was probably hard for kids. If she was smiling, she was smiling. If not, she wasn't. You know, yeah, she felt the, this, she expressed kind of, but it. But it's still one of those things where, like... Back then, you didn't do shit like that. Like, think about people that you went to high school with. I mean, like... I mean, okay, no. Okay, oh, I know back. the douchebag I went to fucking school no, with. Let's just take that back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use myself for an example. I would like to think that, like, I wasn't super popular. I wasn't... But, what, but, but people still remember me. Like, literally, people didn't even remember her. She had no impact on them whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, well, I don't even know if it was her being herself. Like, like she just had no impact. And I, and I don't mean that in a mean way. This is, this is what everyone has said. Mm-hmm. This is what all the information I found about her says is that she just didn't, didn't have an impact because she did weird. And the impact was she's weird. She was weird. And you stay away from But the weird. thing is, like... They didn't even say she was she was different, but like they never really used weird. They never really it was just she was just they she was different. Like, she wasn't like, like, it's like them. It's like she they didn't. It was almost like they didn't know how to describe her. Yeah, it's because she was different. She wasn't like them, and in, in those days, you fit in categories, and if you weren't that, they just dismissed you. But then at the same time, if you didn't fit into the clicky popular category, you were usually with the other category. Yeah, and they didn't. They nobody knew what to do with her because she mm-hmm. wasn't either or didn't have a category she was different yeah but not different. we don't know what to but do with different, different not different in a good way i know just <laughs> different like you're not gonna hang out this they didn't know what to do with her not no. like strange different just different than the two norms that were no, going I think on it was strange different they would have said strange different well i mean i think that's what they were kind of trying to say without really kind of saying it like odd strange odd Kendra, i just said that and you said no no <laughs> I don't know what I would... I, <laughs> She's just different. I mean, something. Okay. Uh, oh, I get what you're saying. Never mind. I get it. Mm. But anyway, she said that... And you can never be quite sure whether she was telling the truth. I wouldn't call it lying, but she would tell exaggerated stories to make herself look important. Mm. So that was another part of it. It's like somebody that wants to one-up everybody. And somebody who wants to... Like, she doesn't have to say that stuff to make herself look better but she does it because she thinks that that's it's what she gonna... needs to do or something and everybody which... already knows yeah and uh, i've ran into people like that like i used to work with somebody at a shoe store and i would literally sit there and like say something and she would have and she would one up me with 
Mm. Oh yeah, I did that. Only this happened. And like, I started getting to the point where like, I was making stuff up just to see how far she would take it. And like, I could never get one up on her because she would always have something else. Even though I I knew she wasn't telling the truth. I knew that she was just trying to one up and make herself look more. But so I went along with it by trying to make, I knew I was doing it just to see how far she would take it. Right. Like kids do that when they're little, like, well, my donkey had a purple nose. Right. But you grow out of it. Well, eventually she's supposed to grow. Right. But she she never, she never really grew out of it. Like she continued to do that throughout her life. Oh my God. Um, so she graduated from Duanesburg Central High School in 1961. She was an average student with vague ambitions for college, which were probably unrealistic. There was nothing distinctive about her school record. She never won any prizes, played on any teams, sang in the choir. She did serve as president of Future Homemakers of America in her junior year. The woman who murdered her children. <laughs> the school's 1961 yearbook had a significant comment to make about Mary Beth. In preparing the book, a committee of her peers listed a mark of distinction for every student, and these ran the gamut from wavy hair and freckles to like goability, sense of humor. Mary Beth was summed up in one word: temper. Oh, so she was I, mood swings. I mean, I think she that lady so that she had mood swings. She was temperamental, that type of thing. Um. After she graduated high school, she hung around the house for a few weeks and until her father nagged her into getting a job, basically. Um, she seems to have taken the first job which came her way, which was that of a nurse's uh, aide on the pediatric ward of all places at Ellis Hospital. Where they used to wear the candy stripes? No, because I think she was an actual, like, like not just like a candy, not like a candy pusher or whatever they call them, mm-hmm. but like she actually helped with the nursing oh. stuff. So, 25 years later, officials at Ellis Hospital began to um, anxiously search through the records to see if there were any unexplained infant deaths while she worked there. Was there? No. Okay. Thank goodness. In her personnel file, her superior had given an affirmative answer to the question of, would you hire her again? Because she did just enough to be good, but not anything to accept. To, to stand out. Exactly. Um, at she uh, Again, at the same house that she had been living in her whole life was when she met Joe Tinning, who was to become her husband. Um, and when he, when he came to pick her up for her first date, it was a blind date that like an acquaintance of Mary Beth had set her up on. And she confessed years later that when she opened the door, she expected to find a tall, dark, handsome Prince Charming. Instead, she was dismayed to see an underweight and painfully shy young man, almost two years younger than she was, who had never taken a girl out before and did not know what was expected of him. What a fucking... She was quoted as saying, I almost ran back into the house and told my father I couldn't go. Okay, judgy McJudges. But she did not, and it wasn't long before her and Joe were married. He was 21 at the time they were married, and she was 23. Okay. So that's... It got her out of the house. Something. Hmm. I don't know. The couple had then moved to Schenectady, a blue-collar town of, at the time, when they moved there, it was about 68,000 people in the east-central region of New York State. Mary Beth, at that point, had taken, or started taking on a variety of semi-skilled jobs, uh, none of them with many prospects, like the nurse's aide, a waitress, school bus driver. 
Just little piddle, but little, things. but never so. No ambition. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. There wasn't a lot of ambition there. And basically, this was a story of Mary Beth's life. Ever since childhood, her difficulties were pushed aside by people who, for a variety of reasons, chose to ignore them. She had never really succeeded at anything, and when she cried out for attention, she was isolated. As a child, she felt unwanted. As a mother, she felt she had failed. When, too late to help her, a New York State police psychologist tried to make sense of the pieces of her existence, he came to the conclusion that Jennifer's death, which was the very first death of her, one of her children, was the catalyst which made all the subsequent deaths inevitable. Hmm. So we will find out later. I mean, I'll give you a little bit. Like, Jennifer's death was the only one that was not probably, it was not her. Like, there was no way that it was That her. one was accidental. Like, that was a, she didn't even make it out of the hospital. She had, like, something with um, her brain and stuff wasn't developed. Like, so that was a completely, like, that natural one was thing. a natural one. Never made it out of the hospital. So there's no way she was... Just like the attention whatever. she got from that one. But it was everything after that that I think that was that was the catalyst, basically. That, that was the first domino getting knocked over. Yeah. Um, and she basically felt that, like, she had a child and her child died and that she was an unfit mother. M- mother. mother. She was an unfit mother. And she wasn't a good mother. Other mother's children would not cry like hers, that she wasn't good. She couldn't stop her children from crying. And so... That she suffocated. Specifically, she stated that she suffocated three of her children. And that the other ones, the other six, she just, she didn't know what happened to them. But that she suffocated three of them with a pillow. Because they just would have shut up. That's what she said. As far as the rest of them, she was claiming at that time of the first interrogations that she didn't know. But we'll get more into the rest of that. Next week. Next time. Because we will get into more of the children and what they were relating their deaths to at first and why and all that fun stuff. Because I'm sure some of you are wondering already, like, how could she have killed that many children? Nine. Nine kids over a 13-year period and nobody said anything. And that's not, that's not the case. I'm just going to tell you this right now. That's not the case. People said stuff. They're just, well, there wasn't any way to prove it. But like I said, I'll get more into that information part of it later. I can't wait to, I'm a little dud today. I'm a dud meister. But you want to know what? Like, I am excited about this case, the inner workings. And because this is your first novel, mm-hmm. a serial novel anyways, serial that you've read. So I'm excited to see what next week will be. Yeah, and it's like, um, it wasn't until the last child, Tammy Lynn, that uh, they finally were able to basically catch her on it. And be like, eh, bitch, no mo, no like, mo. It got to the point where they're like, all right, um. This has gone far enough, long enough. We're done. <laughs> right. Well, that's good. I don't. I have my. I have my theories, but we'll just let that one. Yeah. Be until the end of the end. The end of the end of the the, the yellow brick the, road. The, the that's more like red brick road. Like I was telling April before we started, like 
when it comes to these types of stories where like mothers kill their children, like I've got this strange fascination about it just because like as a mother myself, it just, I'm like, but I want to understand why, mm-hmm. like, I want to know, like, was it, was it because they're just a monster? Was it because they're suffering from a mental illness? Was it because of revenge? Cause there are some mothers who kill their children out of revenge because their husband left them or something like that. So you know, like there's different reasons. And I, I don't know, like there's if just, any of them are good enough to fucking kill your kid. Well, I mean, other than like the postpartum psychosis, not that that's a good reason, but at least that's an understandable yeah. reason because they literally don't know what they're doing. Right. But like, like I said, it's just one of those things where, as a mother, how how, how our do instinct do is to protect and not to. Usually, yes, and you will I find we will find that she does not seem to always have that instinct. I got you, got you. Throughout most of this, it's like it was yeah. plucked from her. Well, or like she just thought that she could, and then she didn't, and then she felt like she was. Who knows? And that's the reason why I feel like there was obviously some kind of. Um, something not going right in the house, you know, because to have that detachment, that detachment from reality, from people, from your children, like there's some kind of detachment going yeah. on there. And I don't want to give too much of it away, but I think a lot of it has to do with like an attention factor too. Like she mm-hmm. didn't get any attention as a child. Mm-hmm. And then she had a child die. Suddenly she had attention. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, was also part of it. So there's there's more to it. There's more to it than that. But that was, I think that's a major factor in this I whole agree. situation here. But anyway, so like I said, this was, I've always, like I said, it's always just been kind of a weird, like a trying to understand why. And especially with her, because we're all infants. Little. Um, just little guys. Yeah. Yeah. So tune in for part two. Part two. Question mark. Because I'm not sure how many parts this is going to take to go through this. But it's going to be good. Hopefully. I love you. Um, so. so I I don't even know how to end this right now. Um, so here's the thing. <laughs> we were a little bit boring tonight because, well, we're tired. We're all just kind of like really lethargic right now. And like, nah, nah, nah. Well, so okay. next week we'll be a little more upbeat. Yeah. And I think part of it too was like, I had a really hard time figuring out how to present this case because like I said, the book itself does not follow a chronological order, like a timeline. And so it kind of jumps back and forth. And so like, I was trying to figure out, do I start with the background? Do I start with like the last child that that she finally got caught doing this on do i start with the first child by and so like i was semi frustrated with my lack of ability to organize how i was going to present this case because i i want to present it i want to tell about it because i don't think a lot of people have heard about it but at the same time i'm like I was frustrated with myself with not being able yeah. to like organize the information, but I think that I have it now. So hopefully I will get things better and in a more, I'm, I hate to say this, but it'll, it'll get more interesting because they'll start to get involved with the children, which is also the terrible part at the same time. Yeah. So that's just how that goes. Um, follow us on all the social media stuff. I'm not going to name them off right now. You can look at the link. 
I'll list it in the show notes. There's a link that leads you to the link to all of the things that are all linked. All linked. Um, buy us a coffee, quote unquote coffee, on the that that site there that supports us. We have an email, nocturnal distractions at gmail.com. Leave us stars and reviews on Apple Podcasts, Audible, those places. Uh, tune in to anything like that. Look at all the rest of our older episodes where I am not so scatterbrained. I think that's it. Yeah. What's yours going to be next time? Oh, I don't know. Kendra picked it out for me. What's it going to be? I, I, I just told you. I know. I didn't want to look at it because then I was going to get lost in it. Hold on. Okay. Well, hold the phone, Frankie. You you, you. Yeah, you okay. just say it. Uh, she's going to take us back to the olden, olden, olden days again, 1600s, about um, a lady who poisons a bunch of patients in a hospital in order to practice and perfect her poisoning method in order to kill her father, brother, and lover for financial gain. Wow. Times must be rough. Apparently, because there's like 54 victims. So apparently she had to have a lot of practice, too. Like, I don't know how hard it is to poison somebody, but apparently it was pretty hard. Yeah. Because she apparently, it took a lot of practice to get that down right for her. So we'll have to figure out why it took her so long to get that figured out. Or you'll have to figure out why it took her so long. Oh, I'll let you know. To get that that figured out there. Is it going to be figured out? I don't know. Figured out, I think. I've never heard about the case. I think it will be figured out. You know me, I don't go past... I don't go any farther back than like 1950. We're figuring shit out, people. We're figuring it out. And that's that's all we can do. Till next time. Till next time. Uh, Love ya. Huh. <laughs> Night, guys. Bye.